Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. We're listing our favorite fictional detectives today. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smithereens. And I'm Clifton. Okay, so, I mean, that's pretty much it. We don't need much of an intro there. We're just, you know, fictional detectives from TV, comics, movies, wherever. We're going to list our three favorite. So um, let's get started. Who wants to go first? For the record, I'm predicting a, a fair amount of overlap in this episode, but we'll see. I don't you know. Think so? uh, you I think so? Possibly. We'll possibly. That's okay. interesting. Okay. Well, I'll go first because my individual is probably the rarest person. you. I don't think any of you guys watched that much anime, except for Clifton, of course. Mm-hmm. But his name is Shinshi Kodo. 16-year-old boy. Oh, man, I just had that one. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. one, Tommy. Yeah. Jeez. Go ahead. But I know from an anime called Detective Conan. Right. Okay. Now, there's a book I'd read. Oh, no, you would, because here's the, it starts off, he's a, he's a great 60-year-old detective, right? In his uh, own 16 right. Or, 16 or 60? 16. 16, okay. Yes. And it's not until he gets a sinister organization they set for a crime, a murder case he solved. So they try to secretly kill him. Mm. But what happens instead is instead of dying, he gets a rare side effect, which shrinks his body to that of a six year old. <laughs> okay. 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 So as a result of it now, the person that they try to kill, they think is dead or missing because mm-hmm. it couldn't be that six year old boy over there. So he has to find a cure to his diminutive size, as well as try to track down the people responsible for trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the premise. How old's the anime? The anime, it's a, classic. It's a, it's a manga class, but it's been around for a while. I would say, um, eighties yeah. <laughs> or nineties. I would say eighties. Okay. Yeah. It's old. It's old at this point. I'm going to ask you for a little bit more, but where, where can people watch this if they want to check it out? I'm curious. Oh, that's even harder thing to answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the name of the show is called, um, case closed. It's an age old anime that was, yeah, it ran to... on Adult Swim, like when they would do anime blocks around the time Cowboy Bebop and mm-hmm. Yu Yu Hakusho, like going back 20 years when they were importing this stuff, they did run Case Closed. Okay. Uh, a little bit off and on around that time, too. But that's how I came across it. And is this is this one of those animes that goes like like 20 episodes or goes 400? 400. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a commitment. Apparently, yeah, oh. fifteen seasons. <laughs> yeah. No way. It's currently, what? It's currently on the sixteenth season. <laughs> currently, he's still on. Oh yeah, he hasn't. Oh, he hasn't found his body yet, man. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it sounds a bit like um, Inch High Private Eye. <laughs> right. <laughs> the old animated, the old old yeah, animated, the old old yeah. animated one. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But it's good. It's worth checking out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, it premiered in January nineteen ninety six in Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the nineties. All right. But it was, um, I think, here in 2006. Okay. On mm-hmm. Adult Swim. Yeah, that okay. sounds about right. Yeah. And the name, like I'd always, I've, I've watched a little bit of the anime. I've never read any of the manga, so I'm, I'm familiar with it. I can definitely picture the characters, uh, but I haven't gotten too into it. I always assumed the name Detective Conan was a reference to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. Sense. Yeah. As opposed to Conan the Barbarian, which would be a different show. Yes. Or, or O'Brien. Or Conan right. O'Brien. I, I would, I would check out either, show. to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> They'd all be fine detectives, I'm sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, okay, so Tommy, tell us a little bit more about the character. So what? why is he number three on your list? 
Although it's just a rare example of somebody that shouldn't even exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, <laughs> like he's portrayed as a six-year-old boy, but there's right. no great detective that looks like that. We, I mean, we've gotten great detectives that are 16, mm-hmm. but never six. So I like right. how not only is he, there's like he's constantly solving two mysteries at the same time. Yeah, right. Like there'll be um, instances in which he has to solve a particular case, but his overall uh, uh, goal is to find out who did that to him, bring them to justice without getting killed again. You know, it sounds awful like a seventies premise. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like definitely a seventies, like, like a seventies yeah. show. Like it would have been like, he would have been like, that was like, you know, cursed with this thing or whatever. Right. And then yeah. by the way, you know, in the meantime, he saw his mistress was trying to start with his own. Dun, dun, exactly. Dun. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, the horns play or whatever. And then it's back to, you know, business as usual, but yeah. Yeah. But I sounds- like, it was just weird. It sounds cool. I, yeah. I, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm intrigued by the premise of an anime. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, and it's not like a you know supernatural anime where somebody has to build ungodly amounts of strength or a karate skill to <laughs> kill somebody. You know, it's the the cases are fairly simple and straightforward, and are usually solved like a Scooby Doo cartoon. You know, right? Because it yeah. also sounds like Detective Baby Legs from Rick and Morty. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> probably. That's probably where he got it from. I'm looking at some stills of it now, and it, it looks cool. Like, he's a neat design. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, big glasses. <laughs> yeah. With, like, with like the school boy uniform. So, like, yeah. he, he, looks like he looks like Angus Young. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. From ACDC. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's honestly, it's a little bit of a vibe of five from Umbrella Academy. Uh, okay, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where that's an older, an older man in a teenage body. This is like a teenager in a kid body. Kid so body. it's like all the same intellect, but down in a shrunken size. Okay, gotcha. This sounds okay. fun. Well, I found it funny. He wears glasses as a six-year-old, but not as a sixteen-year-old. That was just weird to me. <laughs> he did, he did the old Clark Kent thing. Lacey. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe outgrows it. Yeah. yeah. No, this sounds cool. Okay. Yeah. Tommy, you surprised me with the first one. Not that I knew who this was, but like, like you really pulled one from left field on this one for me. So this is okay. this is cool. So okay. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna switch up my number one now. No I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so so I'll just toss it up. Frank Clifton who wants to go. Who wants to go next. I'll go next. Okay. So my my and this is not you know not that he's not my number one. It's just one of those things of I, I didn't really rank them. I just sort of had like detectives that I, you know, I love, <laughs> but, um, I, I went with the Martian Manhunter. Okay. Okay. That's one of the ones I thought, you know, as much as early on, he's definitely played much more as kind of a straight ahead, you know, um, Joe Friday for that kind of, from, from Dragnet. I know that's an awful, awfully old reference, but still, <laughs> you know, very straight ahead kind of stoic detective who happens to be a Martian, one of the last Martians ever, you know, that has like an array of powers, but you know, the, <laughs> Zach and I have had that moment about talking about things about, wait a minute, John's a detective? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get played up enough, I don't think. No, it doesn't. Because it's one of those things where when he first comes to Earth, you know, they, you know they, it's really shown well in um, New Frontier. Darwin does a great job right. of yeah, showing, yeah. you know, these raised by television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he ends yeah. up getting, you know, I like the idea of him, especially in the 50s, would have been, there would have been so many black and white cop shows you know, that I would think he would just take, you know, the first job that he would take would be the one of being like a hard-nosed private eye and or a police officer detective. Right. So he ends up doing that. But again, it's one of those things like, I don't, I don't think that, especially now, they don't ever play up. I mean, I think the last series they had it where he was kind of a police officer on Mars before, like they revamped mm-hmm. the origin or, or played with it. 
He was kind of like a dirty cop on Mars before he gets to Earth. Okay. He was a dirty cop? I think so. I only read like an issue. Uh, yeah, I know. I, trust me. I know. I only read like yeah. an issue of it. But I, I do like the idea of him being the, the like, how does Jones get all these, crack all these cases? I'm like, well, because he can walk through walls and read people's minds. That's right. how he does it. But it's definitely one of those things where it never, I mean, I don't think it gets near enough play as part of it. No, it doesn't. And, and, and I have a theory about that, which, which I'll get into, but I'll let you finish. Okay. Yeah, I, I just thought of, of like of all the stuff when you stack the deck for the character that he already has. I think that's a, just a cool aspect of you know, more or less. It's not. It's never. I always wanted to be more along the lines of like he did kind of, you know, um, Night Stalker like Kolchak type stuff where he's he's mm-hmm. guessing the paranormal. That's what I always wanted his book to be. Mm-hmm. Where at the same time he is the thing that he's trying to you know track down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and we don't think again. I don't think we got anywhere near enough of that. Yeah. So that's what I was gonna say. I think I think that's why it doesn't get played up a whole lot. Well, number one is that he doesn't really he doesn't typically have his own title right. anymore. Right. No. He's usually when we see him, he's usually in Justice League, if even that now. Right. You know, he's a supporting player a lot. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and he's usually in it, when he is with the Justice League, he's fighting, you know, whoever, Dr. Destiny or Mongol or whatever, right. whatever's going on. Right. So I, so I think that, that, that that's number one. The second thing is that I feel like that there is a possible like elegance of the idea. You guys know how I'm big on that. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think that it's a little at odds with with like if he, it just seems kind of like pedestrian a little bit to mm-hmm. like he's just solving like regular old murders when he's this like it's not as fantastical as like the concept itself of like he's this march in the last marcher from Earth. And right. And so when you were saying he should do like supernatural stuff, like I think like I think that's what's missing is he needs a hook like that. Mm-hmm. Like he needs he needs like. Like like a galactic component to what he's doing, I think the reason it works so well in New Frontier is that he's he's working like a specific case, right? Yeah. Like he's chasing something specifically down and, it, and it's nice that Darwin kind of wraps it all together with that. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I just think that that it's it's it would be kind of odd to a character who's just begging to have like the sci-fi bent to put him in a spot where there is very easily no sci-fi connected to it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. Right. I, my thing is I like when I think more about it, I was kind of surprised that while that, you know, there's jail, there's like justice league issues where a mystery may happen. And a lot of times he wasn't like he was out of the league or he wasn't with them at that point, but you never really get that moment of like, everyone's like, well, Batman, what does Batman think about this mystery is always how they go. I'm like, um, John, John knows stuff. Right. <laughs> he's, right. He's yeah. a, I mean, he, you know, granted, he, you know, it helps when he's got the, the set of powers that he does, but still that doesn't mean, you know, I think only, like only recently, like even modern writers consider that Barry is a forensic scientist. Mm, yeah. Like that's something that's like, they just recently started to recognize like, Oh, I guess Barry might have something to say about, you know, residue or mineral composites or, you know, right, whatever. Right. Yeah. But I, I would like to see like, well, you know, we could we could solve it if we didn't have Batman. We could we have a guy who could solve the mystery. And that's yeah. the Martian Manhunter. So and I, I do like the idea of him being one on Mars. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's like it's it's a skill he already has. Right? right. Unless unless you were saying like 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 he gets to Earth and he just has the cheat code that he has powers <laughs> and he can right. read people's minds and tell if you're t- right. I mean, that's one thing. But sure. You know, um, it's too easy, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Make it bigger, make it more fun. 
And for a long time, this was a character that was pretty much only known in comics, not not outside of comics, because he wasn't on Super Friends or right. anything. It wasn't until Justice League animated that we started seeing him. And then since then, he's been in Young Justice, and then more recently on Supergirl mm-hmm. is where a lot of audiences might have gotten to know him. And and they do take him a little bit in that direction. They do start having him deal with like other alien crime. Yeah. But he does it in sort of like a like an agent, like a government agent type of way, more so than detective. We see a little right. bit of detective in the Supergirl show, but not not as much as it would be as it would be nice to. Um, mm-hmm. But they do they do take that angle with him, so they give that as his you know reason for being is he's he's hunt, he's detecting other alien crimes, right? And puts him in that venue. I I have not stayed with the show, with Supergirl, but. Mm-hmm. His introduction in Supergirl is mm. maybe one of my favorite things in geek culture from the last 10 years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just really awesome how they did it. Right. Um, I'm just saying, just putting that out there. Right. That's cool. And I was happy that, that, that somebody was using him because sure. yeah. he's underutilized. Oh, yeah. And they decided to go like all in on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't hold back. No, I had that ruined for me. I, I had not kept up with the show at that point and then found out that he was in. I was like, oh, well, I should probably check this out. But still, right. it's a cool reveal. Yeah, there's a head fake before he comes on that maybe it's somebody else. Yeah. And then you find out some, it's not that person. It's this person. Yeah. yeah, Very cool. Very, very cool. So, all right. Awesome. Nice that we get we got John Jones in there. Yes. And then he is the Manhunter. So yeah. it's right there very in his true. name. Right. Yeah. All right, Clifton, who's who's yours? I'm going to go with a recent one I've brought up before mm-hmm. and I'm excited. We've seen very little of this detective, but there's more coming. And that is Benoit Blanc from Knives Out. Yes, I knew you were going to say him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of Knives Out, the Ryan Johnson film from, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, two years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, which stars uh, Daniel Craig and Chris Evans and a whole huge cast, Michael Shannon. Uh, yeah, Christopher Plummer, right? Christopher Plummer, Jimmy yeah. Lee Curtis. Yeah, that's who I was trying to think of. Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm just, I'm just trying to go off the top of my head. Yeah, Ana de Armas, Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Huge, huge cast of, of great actors. Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield is awesome there, too. And, and I was thinking also, because Knives Out came up in my, in my thinking, and I was like, Lakeith Stanfield is like, could almost be one of those characters that you follow as well. Like, I mean, he's one of right. those that in that movie, I'm like, I want to see more of him too. Yeah. Like but, I would like to see in the, there's more, there's more mysteries coming yeah. in this world. Uh, and I, I would like to see Lakeith Stanfield's character be there with Benoit Blanc being like his, his kind of straight man, like right. his Watson right. of sorts. Like it would be a nice, it would be a nice play to see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so in, in Benoit Blanc, you know, you get Daniel Craig doing a extravagant, southern accent <laughs> for some reason i've I've heard described as foghorn leghorn mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is just funny in and of itself yeah and it is accurate <laughs> but i i just like it as being a take on like a modern take on uh you know the the tradition of the the detectives especially like the agatha christie mm-hmm. where you've got like the eccentric detective that's eccentric for different reasons but your your Hercule Poirot, your Miss Marple, yeah, uh, all of them, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to think of like some of her others. But I was thinking of like like Tommy and Tuppence, mm-hmm. and and it just it kind of like 
updates that and makes it fresh and has fun with it, but gives you like a good mystery. Like he's a good character in this mystery as well. So just as like a praise for the movie that it's, it's, it's good all around, but it's, it's just a really fun character. And afterwards when I heard there were going to be sequels to knives out, like I immediately went to what they were doing, which is like, yeah, just follow Daniel Craig to like a new mystery with right. a new ensemble cast <laughs> in like a new location. And it's, a, it'll be a completely different thing with this Benoit Blanc. Yeah. Like I'm totally down for that. And we have two more coming uh, from Netflix producing one in production right now. Yep. So I definitely can't wait for those. Filming in Greece, I believe, currently. Yeah, the second as, one, yeah. Yeah. So we get exotic locations. I think it's going to be like a fun thing for actors to get involved with too, right? I'm just like, mm. what what colorful character can I can I come on and, and play around right. Daniel Craig? It's sort of like the staple, like the, the, the you know, the focus of everything, mm. right? Yeah, and I just like, I th- that was one of those movies, because I go on sites a lot and I kind of see like, updates of, of like what movies get put in production and stuff like that and greenlit and everything. And this was one of those that I remember hearing about, like, I think before he did star Wars. Right. Right. Um, and I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. Like he's doing kind of like a murder mystery thing. And I'm like, and I'm a yeah. sucker for that stuff always. Uh, so I was like really, really excited about it. And then even more so when I found out when I watched it, I'm like, Oh, like he's, like it's not doing it ironically. Like he's just sort of, he's like just doing it straight. Like you mm. said, like he's updating it, but he's like playing it straight. Like he's doing like what, what Agatha Christie did, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So very, very cool. Yeah. No, I, I like this character a lot and, and may possibly, I, I don't want to step on your thing so much, but he was, you know, he was a fun character. And I think, you know, possibly something that comes up in this episode more is, you know, you may get like a, a, a slow peel back of like who he is in every iteration. Right. Because I mean, right. we, don't, we, we learn tiny little, little bits of him um, in Knives Out. And I think that yeah. kind of a fun of, of the genre, possibly, at least for mm. me, is, is, you know, the, the quiet, slow learning more of, of who they are. You know? Right. No, but not surprised with Ryan Johnson because. His debut was a mystery, so it's nice mm. to see him create such a rich, uh, rich character from his love of mysteries. Oh, what are you talking about, Looper? No, Looper was a mystery too, but mm. Brick preceded um, Looper. Oh, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, Brick is a great one if you catch that one with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yeah, that one I've still never seen. It's been on my list, and I've been planning to watch it, especially even more so after Knives Out, mm. but I haven't gone back and watched it yet. Oh no! If you see that, you'll see how. He developed Knives Out without letting you guys know anything. Okay. Cool. All right. Benoit Blanc. Very nice. So uh, so I did rank mine, sort of. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I'm kind of going with a big one for number three. And I'm going with Sherlock Holmes. Uh, ah. But okay. not, not to piss you guys off, I'm going to pare it down just a little bit. I'm going to go with a particular version. Ooh. I'm going to go with the Robert Downey version. <laughs> Okay. Oh, really? Yes. That would I love these movies. <laughs> I freaking love these movies so okay. much. Um well, I, I get it. Uh it's just there's just so much fun and it's nice blend of of sort of who done it in mystery stuff but also like kind of big budget action movie at the same time, you know? Um and they're super nice looking to, you know, there's the the music's awesome. I think the performances are great. 
I so desperately want a third one. <laughs> yeah. You know? he, was, he was talking about it. He's trying to revisit it. Yeah, I, I know Downey wants to do it. And I think I think they all want to do it. The issue is I don't think that their schedules all line up to do it. So so my understanding is I think Downey and Jude Law are going to do it with a different director, Okay, which which mm. uh, I that makes me nervous because I think Guy Ritchie's vision is kind of kind of important. Like, you know, he he's you know, he's he's at least like story by credit on these movies. Yeah, <laughs> so right. like I think it's very much his thing also. Like it's hmm. his flavor, so I'll sit back. I'll let you guys chime in a little bit because I because I feel like everybody's seen these. No, the first one, not the second. One. Oh, really? Yeah, I kind of like the I second mean, one a little more, to be honest. Uh no, I mean I get it. It's just a weird take on it. I, I like I like my Sherlock Holmes a different way. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> now I've seen both of them. It's been a while mm-hmm. since I've seen them, but I have seen both of them, and I did enjoy both of them quite a bit. I liked um, Rachel McAdams. Yeah. And, um, I think stood out. I liked their their dynamic. But yeah, Robert Downey Jr.'s take on it was was definitely good. I mean, it was in the middle of his Iron Man run. Yeah. So he had like a couple high profile things running at one time that I think he wanted to do different things with to kind of, you know, stretch his muscles. Yeah. So he wasn't just always Tony Stark. And he did a lot of fun stuff with it. He got to do he got to do some martial arts in it, which I know like he's into himself. Right. That didn't come up as much in Iron Man and stuff like yeah, it. Like, no, I don't know. No, that Iron was kind Man. of a fun thing with all of them, because I know Downey was into like into like Wing Chun and stuff like that. And and right. and um, Guy Ritchie's a big Brazilian jiu jitsu guy. And, and I didn't yeah. know this, but I found out, you know, while researching the movie that Jude Law is like was like in the boxing. Okay, So that was like one of the things that they were all kind of like talking about. And I think that's one of the reasons why some of the fight scenes look so cool. Yeah, and it does get a boxing scene. In yeah, there. old bare knuckle, and you 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 got some grappling in there too, which yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so it's neat. I think um yeah, like I said, I just I, I just do one more. Come on, please. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember in the I think it's the first one. It's the I can't remember for sure, but in the climax of one, I was like, this is how like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen the comic felt reading it. Not the oh uh, really, but like yeah, like that that take on that London yeah felt definitely like like more like leave extraordinary gentleman the comic to me than than anything else I had seen, which I thought was really cool. I liked that take on it, and I and I like how how it's just kind of steampunky and kind of right. fantastical. Yeah, it's it it a little bit of that, um, especially the first one. I like I like that they're kind of like really, you know, not to spoil anything. I like that they're really kind of like playing with. Oh, like we're going into this like supernatural area. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, we're not like that's <laughs> just that's just like that's part of the that's part of the scheme. Right. Mm. And, and I, I like that little reveal over there. So, yeah, they're fun. So, OK, so that gets Sherlock Holmes out of the way. But like I said, so not to <laughs> piss you guys off, if he was on your list, I just went with a very, very specific version of it. So he's still open. But that version, yeah. yeah. So you can still bring up Sherlock Holmes of the 22nd century from <laughs> Teak Animation in the 90s. Right. If, you, if, if that's the take you like, which I have seen. I almost brought up the Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes <laughs> episode, too, which is, it's also great. Oh, I'm sure it is. It's like mixed with the time machine. It's awesome. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> What was going on with Alvin and the Chipmunks, man? That sounds a little high concept. Nah, man, there were some awesome ones. <laughs> There were some awesome episodes, though. I should have put that on my list. I should have had yeah, my notes ready for that. more excited about that. Then. No, it's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, that was like my first exposure to Sherlock Holmes was, was like ah. Alvin playing him. That's his no, number two pick. Simon. Simon playing him. <laughs> right. Of course, it's Simon. Alvin was the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And Theodore Watson. Yep, of course. Of course. So anyway. Okay. I'm done for real now. Okay. Until <laughs> <laughs> next round. Tommy, what's your number two? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I stayed in anime. Okay. Oh. Because it, it made me think of another great detective. Um, I don't know. Does has anyone here seen Death Note? Yep, I've seen all of Death Note. Um, three episodes of it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I liked it a lot. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I did. I liked it all uh, awful lot. What I saw of it. Okay. Well, I liked this character named L, mm-hmm. in which he was brought in to figure out who in the world would be this mass murdering person named Kira. Okay. Give us the concept first before you go into okay, more. Okay. Sorry. Okay. The concept of the anime is Death Note, in which in Japanese belief, the, um, there are death gods named Shinigami, and they carry books or whatever for whatever reason. Well, one particular Death Note, which is the um, notebook that the Shinigami carry, falls into the hand of a high school student. And, he, and basically what the Death Note is, is whoever you write the name of the person in the book, that person will die. Now you can specifically say how you want that person to die. And if it's something feasibly possible, it will occur. If you just put their name in it, they get a heart attack. Mm -hmm. But what makes the story interesting is, um, light, the name of the character that gets the book, he uses it as a way to kill criminals and people in mass incarceration. And then he uses it a little bit outside that jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. But he sees himself as a hero, cleansing the world of evil, so to speak. Right. And, and you know, to him, he thinks himself as a hero, while everyone else sees what it is as a mass murderer. Right. So this one character named L, the person I was talking about, he's like the the world's greatest detective without um, actually Satan or spouting it. Mm-hmm. What makes him weird is he's always crouched down and never wears shoes. And is always eating sweets. And everything that comes out of his mouth is either like rude or um, pompous, but he's not wrong. And he also looks at things at so many angles. It's just a weird depiction of a otherwise superly smart character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, L. L from um, Death Note. And ironically, played by Lakeith Stansfield. <laughs> yes, in the Netflix film. Oh, is he really? No oh, yeah. Kidding. yeah I in didn't the know Netflix that. version, it's Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, so the one that, that I had seen a few episodes of was was the anime. And and that was the thing that I really liked about it was that whole like cat and mouse aspect of it. Yes. Of right. here's the guy with the book that's that's killing people for for lack of a better term, he, like kind of a punisher type character, but with a book. Yeah. Mm. That that does it. Uh and then and then the 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 kid detective that's going after him. And that, like and I really, really was impressed by how twisty and turny it was just from the little I saw of it. Oh yeah. Uh it, it, yeah, every, every step he made towards finding out the person, there was another step that the um that light created that would further take him away from it until um L comes up with the devious plot to keep who he feels is Kira, close as close can be. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and also um, to help L, um, the police commissioner, which was Light's father, 
was also entwined with it, but that's all another story. But no, but L. <laughs> Definitely L. Yeah, I've seen it all. I watched it, uh, the anime, when it first started getting over here. And, and, and just a little bit of backstory. The Shinigami are like, they're Grim Reapers in like Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. So they have their books because that's how they collect souls. So they're going around collecting the dead and whoever's time to die it is, they write their name in the book and they die and that's what it is. And this one Shinigami named Ryu uh, drops his book by accident and young, smart college student like Yagami uh, finds it and doesn't believe it's real at first and then decides to test it by killing um, somebody who's scheduled for execution, I believe, at first. Yeah, at first. But it's like, it's like a like, you know, convicted, absolute criminal. And so that's who he uh, tested on first and then sees that it works. And then from there, he's just like, oh, like, I'm just going to start cleaning up the streets. <laughs> And, and it's the, the point counterpoint between him and Al is what is what's really interesting because they're so much the same person to a point. Like they're like 80% the same person, Mm. just it's different how they see the world, but they have all of the same skills. They have all of the same intelligence. They both have a drive for justice, but they execute it differently. And, and yeah, I mean, like Al's is just a fascinating character. And all of this, like everything we're explaining, you find out in about the first 30 minutes of, you know, right. what's uh, like 36 episode series. So mm. like they don't they don't hold back in, in on any of this stuff. Like they get you right to the chase, like right to the cat and mouse game really fast. Cool. It's really good. I remember when we worked at the comic shop, Frank and I, mm. the manga was selling like crazy yeah. to mm. teenage kids. And, and they were reading it before I had gotten it. Cause the manga made it over here before the anime did. And then I watched the anime just out of curiosity to see like what all these, what all these other <laughs> teenagers were into. And, and I was like, man, this is like a, like a philosophical debate <laughs> on like law and justice. Like this whole show is like, you know, just a conversation, really. It's just a philosophical exploration. And like, this is what these 15 year olds are eating up. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was, I'm like, I'm, I couldn't fault their taste. It was good. Yeah. I was, I was really impressed with it. Um, so it's been one of those things always, I've been wanting to go back and finish it, you know, but yeah, no, good pick. Good pick. Any, anything, anything last you want to say about him, Tommy, before, before we move on? Oh, no, you're just creepy. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, creepy kid. That's it. All right, Frank, your number two. Uh, so my number two was you know this is probably not surprise anybody. I went with Happen Leonard. Okay, <laughs> I'll think okay. about them. <laughs> um, you know they started out as as two characters from Jorah Lansdale book called uh, was it Savage Season. It's the first one. Um, but basically this, the story of Happen Leonard is um, Hap Collins and Leonard Pine are. are are basically best friends. They're almost more like brothers than anything else. Um, Hap is, uh, was a uh, objector to the Vietnam war. So he didn't go. And then Leonard is a gay black Republican for lack of a better <laughs> term, but like traditional Republican, not like off the rails Republican, right. like an eighties, like an eighties Republicans. Yeah. The first one really takes right. place right in the eighties. Um, mm-hmm. And in Texas too. In Texas, yes, in Texas, no less. <laughs> right. uh, in a place called Laborde. Um But basically, they're 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 you know the best of friends, and they basically, you know, been through a million things together. Um, they're both in the martial arts together, and then 
in the very first book, Hap's ex-wife Trudy comes back and basically gets them embroiled in this idea of in a river, at the bottom of a river is the is a bank job, a car with a bank job gone wrong, uh, trunk full of money. Mm-hmm. But because the the there was a you know numerous floods over the years, it's moved or the river has changed, and you know no one really knows where this money is, and they get wrapped up in the idea of trying to find this money, right? And then yeah. there's other people involved, and you know things happen. Um, it was a show on Sundance. It ran for three seasons, pretty much sort of followed the first three books. I mean, they're very similar to the, what the books are. And then for whatever reason, Sundance canceled it. Mm. Um, no one really explains, you know, he's explained why they canceled it. It was like their most popular shows doing really well for them ratings wise, but they canceled nonetheless. Mm. But I've read like I've read the novels or, you know, the, sometimes they're novellas, sometimes it's collections of short stories. But it gets more mystery ish after the first one. The first one was just sort of like these two guys that are involved in a situation. But after that, it's a lot of small town noir. It's a lot of, you know, so and so's a horrible person or so and so's mixed in with the Dixie Mafia or so and so's, you know, running, you know, uh, involved in, in, in human trafficking or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And it's up to these two guys who aren't like superheroes. They aren't, you know, other than some martial arts and occasional little bit of gunplay, they're not really anything but normal guys that don't like, you know, bad stuff happening to semi-league good people, I guess. Right. Like, as opposed to some of the other detectives here whose job is detective. Right. Like, like these are happenstance detectives. Yes. Like, they're just, they fall into these situations and they have to right. figure stuff out to get themselves and other people they care about out of. Right. And a lot of times the other thing is they just, you know, it's one of those things where it's become more of a... um not so much a cliche, but just kind of like, like even characters in the books now are just like, well, now that they know about it, they're not going to let it go. <laughs> you know, even when they're in over their heads, there's plenty of times where it's like, no, they're, they're going to go and they have to deal with it. They, they can't just, you know, turn a blind eye to stuff, which I always liked about those two characters. But yeah, yeah, I love them. I'm only familiar with it from the shows. I had not read any of the books, okay. but I did watch the three seasons on Sundance and liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who plays Hap. Uh, James Purefoy. Okay, James Perfoy, and then uh, Michael K. Williams. Lyle. Lyle the intern, right? Lyle the intern. He's in season one. He's in season one, okay. As, <laughs> as, not as Hap, but okay. uh, Jimmy Simpson from Westworld, mm-hmm. and Lyle the intern yes. uh, from David Letterman yeah. is an excellent character <laughs> oh, in season yeah. one. Yeah. He's amazing in season one. He's not he's not Hap or Leonard, but he's amazing in okay. season yeah. one. No, he's a great casting, and so is, um. oh, what is her name? She was on Walking Dead. can't remember her name from the... But she was in. She plays what Angel in, in that her yes, character. Angel, yeah, she's like, yeah, she's she's one of the of the foils yeah. that they are up against in season mm-hmm. one. I honestly think if they had gotten to season four, they were. I think in a lot of ways, I think season like it's a good place for them to break off from like for Sundance if they didn't want to commit to it. Because I think season four, once you do that, you have a lot of like quote unquote series regulars in the books mm-hmm. that you would have to have on. From that point okay. on, like there's, right. you know, there's a woman they introduced into Hap's life that, you know, from them till, you know, for most of the books, she's around. So it's not something they could just ignore if they were going to try and follow the books anyway. But I, if you like, if you like the series at all, the, the Sundance series, I highly recommend the books because, okay, you know, they aren't that much different. There's a little bit of retconning, I think, you know, from time wise. Right. Because it's one of those things where they start to talk about stuff in modern day, but then, you know, if Hap didn't go to the Vietnam, it would be... <laughs> <laughs> They'd be much older than they are. Right. So, but yeah, I, I, I like I said, I, I like all the stuff with them. So I, I would yeah. highly recommend 
No, I didn't put the books on my list because I did like the seasons I saw. Yeah. I thought they were fascinating characters. Oh, they yeah. were good characters. Yeah, Lanzo does a great job. He doesn't do a lot of um, recurring characters so much, but those are the two that definitely have the longest, like, sort of like the longest series of books from him. Hmm. So yeah, I would definitely recommend those if you like the series at all. And I recommend the series. I'm not sure if it was, wasn't it on Netflix for a while? Oh, it was on Netflix for a while. I'll try to find out if it's still there. Okay. But yeah, if it's still on there, by all means, please check it out. It's a great series. They're, and they're both, both terrific in it. I wasn't sure about him at first. I was kind of sold on Michael K. Williams because I knew him better. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, they're great together. It's a really good, it was a really good show and it deserves to go on, so. Uh, it is currently streaming on Netflix, all three cool. seasons. Sweet. Check it out. Check it out. Give it some love. Maybe yes. it'll come back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix likes to save stuff. At least they used to. <laughs> uh, now people have to save stuff from them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> gone full circle. Yep. All right. Clifton, what's yours? So far, no doubles. Sorry. So far. Well, that's what I was about to say. So far, because I, also, I had Sherlock on my list. Ah. Okay. That's mine. I hadn't pinned it down to a specific take. Mine was just going to be like that. That was just a character that holds up in almost every, almost every iteration. Mm-hmm. Like there's something good where as long as you hit the core, like people can bring new stuff to it. Um, like we had with, with Robert Downey, like with Benedict Cumberbatch. And I mean, you've had the classic takes. We've got Enola Holmes from, from Netflix mm-hmm. with, um, 11 Millie Bobby Brown Millie Bobby Brown is like the sister of Sherlock Holmes <laughs> and we get I think Henry Cavill in that yes oh yeah, Sherlock yeah. Holmes That's yeah right. so I mean there's elementary like tons of fun too. right yeah elementary yeah. yeah is another modern take like along with the Cumberbatch one around the same time great mouse detective mm-hmm. I love the great mouse detective <laughs> it's one of my favorite Disney movies from the early 80s also there's like what one uh the in Spielberg's young Sherlock Holmes yes okay. and oh, that's, that's right one, I don't know who has the rights because I keep looking for that streaming and, and some, it popped up somewhere mm-hmm. unexpected recently and I can't remember where, but that one's fun to check out too from the 80s. It has some very early uh, computer animation special effects. Huh. Some of the earliest scene after Tron. Oh, so wow. Tron was like the first and then young Sherlock Holmes has a scene of a night, like a stained glass night coming to life. Okay. Like from a stained glass window. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So academically, just if you're interested in early visual effects, that's that's some early computer animation. And I, I did like that movie a lot when I was younger too. But since we already did Sherlock, yes. uh, and covered those, mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring up one that I like um from more recently, and it's Miss Fisher. Oh yeah. Okay. From the Australian series. It is a series of books. I've never read the books. Again, most of these I know from the adaptations, the TV or movie adaptations of the characters. Uh, but Miss Fisher is an Australian series uh, set in the 1920s in Melbourne, Australia. Mm-hmm. The show, which you can find on Netflix, is titled Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. And it's about like a young, like, um, socialite, mm-hmm. like in the 20s, like single, like in the roaring 20s in Australia. Like she's a flapper, like she's freewheeling, mm-hmm. like feminist uh like on her own and just solving murders in melbourne australia in the 20s and the show is fantastic like it's a great period piece of just learning about you know like we know about the 20s in america so it's interesting to see like what the 20s were like other places and what of the culture that we know of did carry over and what differences there were and and stuff to the different localities uh but that ran three seasons in australia it ran on pbs here and they are on i believe they're all on netflix 
uh, currently. And then she got a spinoff. There was a spinoff set in the 60s with her niece that I've seen the beginning of, and it's also quite good, called Miss Fisher's Modern Mysteries. Huh. I did not know that. Yeah. I'd seen like the ads a million times, and I've seen little bits and pieces of the show, but I never knew there was a spinoff in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Huh. Where it's like her niece uh, solving crimes in like the mod era. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I've seen uh, some of those, and they're excellent as, as well. Those are on the Acorn app, which you have to pay for otherwise but you can see the other stuff on netflix but yeah i just like seeing it i don't know when the books were written there were written more recently and just set as period pieces back in time but it's fascinating to see like this like progressive character you know dealing with like the 1920s and like the police not wanting her to do stuff and mm-hmm. and her solving uh all the all the various murders that she comes across in her socialite life she's a really good character very cool I remember you telling me about this show maybe maybe uh, two years ago or something because you were like, mm-hmm. it looks really cool. It, it's a really nice looking show. Oh, yeah. The production yeah. value on the show is amazing. It's such a it's such a nicely produced show. Tommy, Frank, are you guys familiar with it? No, I don't. This is my first time hearing about the character as a whole. Okay. I don't know. To me, what, the thing that always struck me about that Clifton was the idea that she always seemed like she f- would fit right in with like the... Um, your Miss Marples, your Hercule Poirot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's another character that's that's totally in that tradition. Okay, that's what I thought. And actually, even set in the time that those books were written. Right, so yeah, that's, that's also probably what they're going for as well. Yeah, I would have uh, thought that they would have, you know, they would have rubbed elbows or had some kind of like, you know, mention right. of, you know, the guy that likes yeah. the little gray cells and the old lady that solves <laughs> right. mysteries. So yeah. crossover, crossover. Right. Yeah. yeah. Without, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, because because they didn't they like for the longest time on PBS they had where they played. Oh, I can't remember the actor's name. Hercule Poirot. The, all those mysteries that were his that they did for PBS, and I don't know if they did them because there was a there was a, a him. He the, I can't remember the actor. I have to look it up. Right, I, I David. Uh, I, sh- I should be able to think of his name too. I'll look it up real quick. Okay, but go ahead. But no, there was they like I can remember as a like being a uh, I want to say a kid or my in my early teens. There was like he was in it mm. all the time. Like they were on PBS, and I remember yeah. seeing some of those because I really like I really enjoyed. Um, a lot of Agatha Christie stuff when I was younger. I read a ton of those books. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. um, and then Miss Marple, there was the same thing. It was an actor. I think her name was Jane something that was Miss Marple as well. Oh. Right. And she did a series of those movies too. So yeah. 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 David Suche is, ah, the, that's, that's is the Poirot actor that's been long running. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. Cool. I like down to earth detectives that deal with everyday issues. I mean, I know it's a period piece and all, but, Mm-hmm. I just like how they work with what they have as opposed to um it's 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 a departure from being super smart. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. That's that's why I enjoy about it. Gotcha. All right. So for my number two, I'm going with uh Philip Marlowe. <laughs> uh, of course you are okay. created by Raymond Chandler. Yeah, I love these books. I know. I love these well, books. We, we knew Noir was gonna have to come up with you somewhere. Right. Here. I was gonna surprise right. surprise yeah. we got through this far without you saying um, <laughs> and I say it all the time. I'm also a big noir guy, which is the first time I had encountered the character is he's he's famously portrayed by Humphrey Bogart in the big sleep. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he's he's one of these classic PI characters uh, from the pulps introduced in short stories first. And then Raymond Chandler started putting him in novels and stuff like that. Um, And so this is what I was saying, Clifton, when I was bringing up the the idea of like, you you learn about a character through like drips and drabs, like over Mm -hmm. like multiple. And this is kind of like Philip Marlowe, like perfectly like 
the thing is, is that like the these mystery books can be so plot heavy in that you're fo- focusing on the case and every little nugget of information coming at you is I think that you don't get a ton of room to to really like do a whole lot of character stuff. Um, at least commonly you don't, at least back then mm-hmm. you weren't doing it. And so like and so, yeah, like you would get little nuggets of information here and there like, oh, like he's in the chest. And then in another book, like you would see like these other things just like, you know, how he's how he's like really into like French press coffee and stuff like that. And he was like really like kind of methodical about like how he did that stuff. And, and um, yeah, and I just like I just love those books. They're like I, I was describing it to uh, my my wife's cousin because I was I was on the beach one year re- reading these and she was like, oh, I didn't know. I, I don't know anything about it. And I'm like, these these books are like candy corn, you know, like, mm-hmm. like they're just like <laughs> like you just. I, I've never had an author that so makes me want to change, like turn the page more than okay. Raymond Chandler. Like you just, there's like, there's just so much fun to read. I was gonna say, you know, mind you, some people hate candy corn. So you need to explain why <laughs> I love candy corn. <laughs> I don't understand you, you people. Like <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not saying me. I'm just saying yeah. some people are like Ugh, candy corn. They're going to blanch the idea, but no, I understand what you're saying with the, with the author. What's so. a, yeah. Okay. So what, what's, what's the, what's the better thing to say if you don't like candy or like, Pota- you know, like when you're at a party and there's like a bowl of chips there and you can't yeah. stop eating it like that. <laughs> much better. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that, that's, right. that's, that's right. reading a, a Raymond Chandler book. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, and then and then the little bit of news here is that he's apparently good. He's been portrayed by, you know, many, many actors over the years, Um, you know, um, reportedly Raymond Chandler's favorite version was not Bogart's actually when Dick Powell played him in Murder My Sweet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've not seen that yet, Um, but he was his favorite. Year Was that produced? Oh, I got to look at that. That's (laughs) if I'm going to guess. Forty five. All right. Maybe forty eight. Um, but, uh, apparently Liam Neeson is slated to tackle the mm. character coming up, um, oh, wow. <laughs> in a movie that is going to be written by William Moynihan, who is a screenwriter who did the departed and kingdom of heaven. Um, little bit of information here that I didn't know, but, uh, should have guessed is that it's not actually going to be based off of uh, any Chandler work. It's going to be based off of a, a follow-up book. So typically what you get is, is, you know, when these authors pass on the, the estate sort of, you know, allows like other writers to come on board and play with the characters and stuff like that. So I think this Liam Neeson version is going to be based on, on one of the later books, not done by Chandler, but murder my sweet 1944 says our engineer. I was close. <laughs> you were I was close. close. You were very right, right by it. <laughs> so. All right. Anybody want to want to chime in about good old Philip Marlowe before before we start uh, going to our number ones? It's it's one that I definitely I've never read any of any of the Raymond Chandler stuff, and like I've not seen many of the movies, at least not in a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely would like to revisit. I need you to give me a list of like some noir, like a noir checklist to go down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the ones I've missed because I've seen some, but not a lot. The Long Goodbye, the book was like one of my, I think my favorite to read of the ones I've read. I've not read all of them, but I've read, I've read a few. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what? I actually, I tripped over this at a comic store years and years and years ago. It was, it was a um, graphic novel adaptation of Farewell, My Lovely. Mm. Okay. But that was, I believe it was a Michael Lark adaptation. It was before I knew who oh, he wow. was. It was, like, I think cool. it was before Gotham Central. Wow. 
um, which is really I can I can loan you that. I don't know how easy that's going to be to find, but I got I mean, that probably, in one of my boxes at this somewhere. point. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, which is cool. Cool that we got to shout out to that book because yeah, you know, yeah. no nobody's talked about it forever. I'm sure, unfortunately. <laughs> um. All right. So that's our number three. Number twos. We're going to get around to our number ones. But first, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on YouTube and let me know how it is dot com. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe and leave us a review. And finally, if you have any topic suggestions for the show, you can send them our way on Twitter or in the comments. Our Twitter handle is our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. All right. Number one, which again, you guys don't rank these. I'm ranking this for the for, for this episode. <laughs> I'm ranking. OK, uh, so who's up first? Tommy, you're up first. Oh, I definitely wasn't ranking. Um, <laughs> because I probably would have came out with my one of my first two early ones if that was the case. But to be honest, um, mine was a Sherlock Holmes person, mm-hmm. but it wasn't um, Benedict Cumberbatch. It wasn't Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. It was Johnny Lee Miller from Elementary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I just like how he was less than perfect and it was a bit of a jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just like how it's just, he's just remarkable what he did. I like the fact that they played up his, his um, drug addiction okay. as to show, you know, his shortcomings and mm-hmm. what he, um, you know, basically the penance for being what he is or how he dealt with the world is by numbing it to it or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. I like how he meets Watson who basically is a, um, former doctor who you know comes to um help him out of his addiction sent there by her his father watson is lucy lou yes in this version okay yeah yeah in this version at least though my only misstep is i didn't like how they portrayed um moriarty okay they made moriarty um irene adler oh yeah i know right (laughs) what yeah how they played it was of course you know they fall in love whatever what have you but on the slide, she never knew that she, he never knew she had a criminal organization, which she ran. An organization? Of, wow. Yeah, by the name of Moriarty. <laughs> ah, okay. So that's how they became the same person. But the problem is that was um, played by Natalie Dormer. So when she oh, started doing I love Game Natalie of Thrones, Dormer, though. Yeah, but when she went to Game <laughs> of Thrones, she never came back to elementary. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they never recast her. I guess they were hoping <laughs> that she'll come back. So now we've lost Moriarty. Hmm. So yeah, first two seasons were very strong. Okay, I never saw it. My brother talked it up a lot. My brother really was was into the show. Oh, it was a great for show for a little while. Yeah, great show. I loved it. Hmm. And they able and they're able to wrap it up without any drastic changes. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. How they ended it? Would it go for like five seasons? Uh I believe it went for seven. Oh wow. Yeah, it was on TV for a while. It was a staple for a while, but... Yeah. Yeah. It was great. In fact, uh, yeah, seven seasons, eight years, because in the last season, they didn't want to bring it back, so it took a lot longer to produce as a result of it, but it stayed. Great show. Great show. Hmm. They even bring in um, Kitty at one point, because depending on um, who you read from Sherlock Holmes, he takes on an apprentice. Mm-hmm. In the form of Kitty or whatever, I forget how it goes, but I'm not too clear on the um, the um, the concise you know history of Sherlock Holmes. 
I just know mm-hmm. the major points. Irene Adler, Moriarty, Watson. Other than that, you can mix it in however you want. Right. Cool. It was nice. It, it it's sort of explained how I could afford a New York uh, brownstone because that thing was immense. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> was, that, oh, yeah. was that a mystery to do itself? Oh, no. His dad paid for it. He didn't have any money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, his dad was stupid rich. So there you go. Mm. <laughs> So they didn't even have to say it was rent controlled, which right. is what they say for yeah, like everybody yeah, else's yeah, giant yes. New York apartments. Yes. That's 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 Monica, Monica and Rachel's <laughs> yep. in friends, rent control. Rent control. I was, what's that even mean? Uh, I, <laughs> but yeah. What does that mean? It means that the rent can't exceed a certain means, dollar amount. But that makes no sense. Who would not charge rent? Yeah, it means <laughs> that you can't raise the rent more than a certain amount per year. Right. Going back to like the 70s. Yeah. So you only get like a several percent change over 70s rent prices or whenever the rent control got locked yeah. in. It happens in some New York neighborhoods. Yeah. And and people just hang on to them. You don't yeah. you don't so, leave. Yeah, you don't like leave. If you get one, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That, like, that's no, that's no. why at the at the, the last episode of Friends, Chandler was is saying something to like the babies that are just born. He's like, because of rent control, this apartment was a freaking steal. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't there a storyline of like someone dies and Ross is like trying to be awful and, and get the apartment because someone died because of rent control? He's trying to get uh, <laughs> ugly naked guy's apartment across the street. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Weird friend sidebar here, but okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, wait, rent control. No, whatever it takes to uh, you know, what rent control is because hell, they, they've used that more than once in every New York show that you can imagine. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's 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 an easy plot device. Yeah. To, ex- to explain like a catalog of an apartment. But what's crazy is it only works in New York. It's like they, they don't use that yeah. anywhere else. No. no. <laughs> All right. Who's next? Uh, Frank, you're next. So again, this was probably anyone who knows me knows this one's going to be easy. Uh, I'm going with um, David Addison, Matty Hayes. Mm, okay. I thought so. From the television series Moonlighting. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Moonlighting was a you series that ran. You didn't disappoint, Frank. I really disappoint. do. Started in 1985. Um, the basic premise is, is uh, Sybil Shepherd plays Madly, Maddie Madeline Hayes, um, a formal model and somewhat actress. I think they mentioned that she might have acted in a little bit of stuff. Uh, wakes up one day to find that her, um, her account ran off with all her money. So her lawyer tells her the only way to basically save face is and basically not lose her house is to start liquidating all of the assets, all the stuff that she was invested in. Well, one of the things she happened to be invested in was a detective agency called the City of Angels Detective Agency ran by Bruce Willis mm-hmm. back when he had hair. Yep. And uh, his bit. characters is yeah, a little bit. <laughs> he had more. His, he had more. <laughs> he had some. But he was David Addison. And he's in he's there at first they're like oil and water. They don't get along when she basically tells him, you know, you know, turn in turn in your turn in the keys to the, 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 the agency and give me your two company cars. And then they get embroiled in a in a murder mystery about missing Nazi diamonds. Mm-hmm. And this was the old days back when, when they would, um, a lot of times pilots, especially for drama would be like a two hour, um, like kind of like a, a midnight, like another mood night, but like a, a movie of the week type thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how they, that's how they tested it. If it did well, then, then it got an order to series and then it went on. So, um, the movie did really well. And I remember seeing it and loving the first one and then watching the actual series which, you know, the, basically the two of them solve mystery every week. And it's definitely a thing of she doesn't know anything about being a private investigator and he's faking it because <laughs> he's a wise ass, you know, that doesn't really, you know, that basically lucked into this sweet, you know, sweet job that doesn't really 
you know, before then they don't have any clients. They don't really solve mysteries. It's just kind of a, he's just kind of there hanging out and getting right. paid. And because she was, you know, there were checks coming in all the time before her accountant ran off. He's not really solving mysteries either. So then they have to team up together and they have to make this work. Otherwise they're both going to be, she's going to be out in the street and I don't know what David would have done. <laughs> but I, I loved it. The, the, the mysteries were genuinely good mysteries. They were quirky. They were fun. Um, you know, like one particular episode, uh, uh, a Lonely Hearts, like um, Dear Abby type guy or, a, you know, an advice guy gets, gets murdered on the air kind of a thing. Mm. Um, yeah, they were like, they were just great. You know, one's a, a guy, one of the first early ones is, is a guy comes and says, I, I want to find my long lost son. And what you find out is he's actually a hitman. Okay. Who, who's looking for the guy that's trying to take him out to make his name. Right. <laughs> But he comes to them and says, "No, really, that you know, I'm looking for my son." And it's a great, it's a good, it's a good roller coaster of dramedy, like drama and comedy, a dramedy um, <laughs> of the two of them trying to find this guy. And then when they do find the guy, he's like, "Oh no, I don't. He's not related to me. I, I want to kill him." Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a type of mystery every week. You know, they would solve stuff from week to week. And then the other thing was just the fact the interplay between the two of them. It was a lot of throwback stuff to like. Um, you know, the rapid fire dialogue of, I'd say like forties films, probably right. right? like his girl Friday. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of, um, will they, won't they for a long time? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really the thing that jumps out about the show. The most to me, when I think back to it is, is mm. that, is that was the big, like people wanted them together. Right. Right. It was a big, like Sam and Diane to go with like yeah. the cheers thing. Like it right. was like the people wanted them together. And there was kind of like, they were kind of like a sexy couple on TV, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of tension between the two, that, right. that and the weird Alvin and the chipmunks episode about moonlighting. Also, I'm not making that up. That's a thing too. <laughs> That's a real thing. But it, it's one of those things where they, 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 they play this over like three or four seasons. I think it's three seasons. They play it, you know, the idea of will they or won't they get together and they, you know, they, they have moments where they get close and they don't. And yeah, it was very Sam and Diane. And then they put them together, and I think it was a combination of putting them together along with the fact that there was a writer's strike. Mm-hmm. Like, it becomes a running joke that they can't get episodes out anyway, and then there's a writer's strike, and that really delays things for a while. And then, so the show's like, it's great for a long while, and then there are moments of it getting back to where it was, and then they, it's done. Right. But um, I know from watching, like, the commentary on the first season that at one point, it's two, they're being interviewed, Sybil Shepard and, and, and Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis basically comes out and says that if Sybil Shepard hadn't got knocked up, like if she hadn't had her kids or twins, mm-hmm. that, that basically opened the window for him to make Die Hard. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, if they, that they, happened... They pause production, right? Right. On yeah, they, and, and let, let him do a movie. Yeah, yeah. So he was able... That was a movie he was able to do, which basically... Cat, I mean, like he was already... You know, Moonlighting was pretty big at that point anyway, but mm. Die Hard was the thing that like just, you know, pushed him over the edge and he was never... I don't think... I mean, he's done television parts here and there. Right. Right. Again, he was on Friends, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah later, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. But yeah, I love the show. I, 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 it was, it was, you know, I can remember the first time recording it and, and having to not miss it. That was one of those first shows that I just did not ever want to miss. So I feel like weirdly that this is one of those things that it had, if they'd done it again today, like in mm-hmm. a reboot, I feel like it could work. I, I feel it like could. it could weirdly be a little, uh, like, kind of fresh again. Yeah. yeah. De- depe- depending on who you cast. I mean, like, you, right. you know, you, you, you get lucky casting Bruce Willis. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, before he's Bruce Willis. Right. Well, I think I've talked yeah. about before the fact that he had done, I think he had done, um, I think he's in some Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. 
think he's yeah, a couple episodes yeah, of is. that. That's right. And then he's also, and he did, I think it, again, we talked about he's in the, like the new Twilight Zone, like Shatterday. I mm-hmm. think that's the episode that he's in, which is a Harlan Ellison story. And that's mm-hmm. about it. Right. You know, this is not, he's not playing, you know, pretend he's Bruno and blowing, you know, doing the harmonica and selling wine coolers. Like right. he's, <laughs> he hasn't done any of that yet. Right, right. You know, that he's was not, soon to come. Yeah, yeah. It's, on, it's right there. John McClane's right there as well. But yeah, this was it. And he's Hudson he Hawk was, soon to follow. Oh, uh, <laughs> we got to find the anniversary of that is. I'll do that one. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Hudson Hawk. But um, yeah, I love, I love Moonlighting. I, I love it so much. It's one of my favorite, like, again, it's one of my favorite. Especially of the TV detective genre, it's probably my favorite of all. And she and she was a much bigger star than him at she that was. point too. I remember because she, she's in Taxi Driver, which which is the big right. notable thing I can think of. I mean, she she's she's not in it for very long, but it's you know it's a key role, right? Well, there. I mean, she's in Last yeah. Picture Show. There's other stuff that yeah. she's in. It just wasn't you know. And they they say that at that point, she guess she hadn't had a hit in a while, so it was kind of a oh yeah, Civil Shepherd. I'll check this mm-hmm. out, but. Yeah, it's the two of them together were just great. And when the writing, like with that, with the writing and everything, and then the, you know, the theme, theme's really good too. So it's a great, it, again, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, oddly enough. Like, I don't think. No, it's hard to find. Yeah. I've, I've tried yeah, to look, I've tried to look for it a couple of times because I know you love it. And it's one of those that, like, I, like, I have, I was so young for it mm-hmm. that, like, I, I, I have just images of it, really, of, right. you know. Um, no, I looked into it. I got the, the series. I bought the series a long time ago, and on you know, it's not. I don't think it's even on Blu-ray. I don't think Blu-ray ever made a Blu-ray. For no, it, I don't so. think they did either. I mean, but that was a long. That was in um, you know, in the in the TV on DVD thing when like mm-hmm. everything was coming out, and even that like yeah. took a while to come out. I remember. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think I think A and E or somebody had it for a while. That mm-hmm. was like the last place I can remember it being. I think. But I don't know. Is A and E still a thing? Yeah, it's still a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. So that, like, that's the last place I can think of what it was actually on. So okay. hopefully, I mean, it's it's ABC. They, you know, they have it. So it's like I don't know why they wouldn't try to capitalize on it somewhere. Let's you know throw it on a streaming service someplace. I think I think it could be fun. I yeah, think it could be fun. It's a great Again, show. So so all right, Clifton number one. All right, I am putting these in order. So this is my number one. Okay. And should be no surprise to anyone because I bring it up all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Scooby Doo and Mystery Incorporated. Whoa! <laughs> Wait, so, sorry, I, 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 I was over you. So you said Scooby Doo, and did you say and Mystery Incorporated? Yeah, Scooby Doo okay. and the Scooby Gang. The Scooby Gang. Okay, but not yeah. that specific show. Just not that specific just iteration. Broadly. Just the, yeah, okay. just broadly all Scooby and the Gang. Okay, okay, good. Just every version of Scooby and the Gang. Uh, just because, like, I mean, it's. I think uh, a certain generation of kids, it was their first detective they followed ever mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. realizing like, yeah, these are detectives. This is right. like a Hanna-Barbera 70s detective shows because in the 70s, Hanna-Barbera made everybody a detective show. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was solving crimes. Mr. Yep. T later, well, that was 80s, I guess. But you had like Charlie's Angels or well, Teen Angels because they were always like trying to spoof on other things because you had Captain Caveman and Teen Angels, which was like their Charlie's Angels. You had Devlin, which was like their evil Knievel as like a teenage <laughs> right. stunt yep. performer in a circus solving mysteries, right? you know, from town to town. Uh, so everyone was doing detectives. So yeah, like for a certain generation, like Scooby was the, the introduction to detectives, to the, to the concept of a private eye or somebody that just goes around solving crimes. 
And I mean, it teaches some kids some good lessons, like definitely teaches uh, kids to be skeptics of everything (laughs) and also taught kids that when you think it's a monster, people are really worse. Like the worst thing is always a real person, (laughs) not the Mm -hmm. monster you think it is. It's going to be a real person. That's the biggest monster. Usually a greedy person. Usually it's greed involved, Uh, often a rich person, (laughs) a rich and greedy person. But it's always a person. So when you think it's a monster, people are worse. Yeah. And that's the lesson that they teach. Uh, but no, I just like uh, it's it's such a simple concept, but like it's been going for so long. Like Scooby's been running nonstop from like 1973, if not even earlier than that. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. If the, for some reason, I was thinking that was the year that uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You premiered, but it might have been a little earlier. But to now, like they make multiple movies a yeah. year with like no breaks too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's never been off the air or it's never stopped production in, in some form. I mean, maybe in the nineties, there mm-hmm. is a period in the nineties where they might not have been making a whole lot of new Scooby-Doo stuff right. until, um, it's like pup named Scooby-Doo when they're kids. And then, right. and then, yeah, there may be a little bit of a dry spell. Yeah. And then they did the, uh, zombie Island, mm-hmm. I think was like one of the first straight to videos. And ever since then it's been nonstop. And, and I did see, cause we follow like some of the animation industry stuff closely. We follow, you know, some of the people that work in it on Twitter and stuff. And I did see some of them talking about how like they never saw a royalty check until they did a Scooby until they directed a Scooby oh. straight to video. <laughs> And just started like raking in overseas royalties. Right. <laughs> and uh, which is a whole different thing about how royalties work overseas versus America and why these people are getting royalties on work that they did in America overseas, but not in America. Yeah. That's a whole other industry conversation. But the thing is, these things are popular worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. the lesson that I'm trying to point out right now is so like the the detective stories from mystery incorporated resonate with people with children all through time. Like ever Mm. since they've been invented. That is my favorite iteration, like by (laughs) far mystery incorporated, but the one specifically titled mystery. Yeah. The the one, the one that I'm in, that I'm excited and interested to check out and Clifton, I like, I texted you like one night about this, probably like, you know, four months ago, I just tripped over this. One of the newer movies that they did like in like 2019. So it's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Was they did the the follow up the ending to um uh, the thirteen ghosts series? Oh, right, which famously right, yeah. re- like the the show wrapped up without them finishing the story, right? Yeah. And so here we are, years after the fact, you know, Spike Brand and Tony Schiavone, who like do all of these Scooby movies over these years, you know, finally did one where they're like, no, like they, let, let's wrap that story up. So they so they did a movie to close out thirteen ghosts. Nice. <laughs> so I like I'm excited to check that one out. I got to track that one down without Vincent Price, though. Yeah, because I think he was in 13 Ghosts, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm sure the workaround is that they got Maurice LaMarche <laughs> to uh, do Vincent the brain Price. to do Vincent <laughs> yes. Price because he's Vincent Probably. Van Gogh in yeah. Mystery Incorporated. Right. Who's, That's who's true. Clearly Vincent Price. If you watch the show, right. it's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Mystery Incorporated is on Netflix, so go yes. watch that. I just, by the way, I just finished season one of that. Okay. Oh, did you? I, I, I did. You like it. I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> right. It's pretty <laughs> it's great. Really, huh? it's really terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. People always think I'm kidding when it, when I suggest that to them. They're like, "Really, Scooby Doo no. show?" I'm like, "Just watch it." 
Yeah, no, it's great. It's awesome. Season one ends in a great place. Can't wait to start season two. Yeah. yeah. All right. My number one. Should we all say it together, everyone? On three, two, one. Batman. Columbo. Oh, oh okay. Oh. <laughs> yes, I, I, I took it as a challenge to not put Batman on my list, but I figured okay. everybody, everybody was going to say. So, yeah, so I'm going with Columbo. Uh, wow. I had I had a phase. I had a phase where I was <laughs> watching Columbo phase? a lot. Yeah. You know, uh I was I was uh I was a contractor, so I had it just worked out my schedule. I had kind of like, you know, a day off in the middle of the week. And there was always like a Columbo rerun on in the middle of the day. So I was like checking them out like all the time. I love Columbo. And so what what <laughs> what is so great about it for me, it's two things. One is it was kind of a formula of the show mm-hmm. where they would always show the audience who did the crime. Right. Right. Like it was always the first scene. You saw the crime happen and you saw who did it. Right. And so the, the, the fun thing about the show, the fun hook of the show was it was a, never who done it. It was always a how is he going to catch them? Right. Right. Um, so I thought that that was just a fun twist always. Uh, and then the second thing that I really, really like about it is, um, uh, he's kind of, uh, uh, Frank, as you and I say it, like, like he doesn't like to flash his intelligence around. Right. It's, it's very like you look at him and the way he talks and the way, and the way he just is the thing is dismiss. Yeah. It's, he's (laughs) super easy to dismiss. And so, and so the idea is like, oh, I see. They think he's a dope. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, no offense to to, to Peter Falk, but doesn't he, he generally looks like he just rolled out of bed? <laughs> right? Come, but that, yeah, that was that was the allure of him. I think he had such a blast playing this character because, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I remember one time just to kind of like, like kind of, just subtly display what it is I'm talking about. There's one where like he's questioning a guy who's a suspect, mm-hmm. right? And Columbo like knows this. Like I think this guy might do it. And right. this guy clearly is looking down on Columbo. And so like, he's like a college professor or something. And right. then he's like, he's trying to get out of, of the interview. And then, so he's like, you know, he's like, well, excuse me, you know, I'm just, you know, it's my lunch break. I want to get going before my next class. And, and, and then Columbo's like, Oh, I got, I, I got some crackers here in my pocket. If you want, <laughs> if you're hungry. Right. And it's, it's such a slubby, like, mm-hmm. like, come on, idiot. Like I'm not going to eat crackers out of your trench coat from, right. <laughs> nice. But I love right. it. It's like, it, that's the way, like he disarms everybody. Mm-hmm. that's funny yeah no it's super fun and i think also like in the 70s there was there was a little bit of um desire to sort of like repackage the detective character so you got a lot of like these so often these characters are kind of like stoic hard tough you know like kind right. of um you know and 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 so you got characters like him and you got like like you know rockford from the rockford files and stuff like that, that yeah, i thought like you're trying to sort of like 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 put a different spin on it and kind of put like a different personality on these characters like Coltrack. that was another one that like he was almost on my list too right uh, Colchak, the oh, night Coltrack, stalker yeah, yeah yeah sure no i i think i think you're right i think it's 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 definitely there definitely a response to like the idea of like the hard-nosed mm-hmm. you know philip maybe philip marlowe type characters that yeah. were mickey spillane Mm-hmm. That you had like these guys that were like basically tough as nails and never really got, you know, didn't have any foibles. Whereas, right, you know, Jim Rockford lived in a trailer down by the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but I think, I think Columbus, like, like, I think I know, like, in the 70s, they would run 
either it was like the Sunday night or Wednesday night movie and they would have like for a while it was Columbo or McMillan and wife or uh, right. uh, McLeod. Yeah, McLeod. McLeod's That's what one. I was going to say, McLeod. Yeah. McLeod, like to, McLeod to me is like uh, a precursor to Justified because he's just like a cowboy in modern day. Right. <laughs> you know, which doesn't quite fit. Like the, people are like, why, you know, why is this guy, you know, wearing a big giant 10 gallon hat <laughs> in the middle of, I don't know, I don't even know what city he worked out of, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that was just part of the thing of just a response to like the, the over the top macho-y, yeah. you know. Even Magnum yeah. P.I. I think Magnum P.I. is a bit of a take sure. on that too. I think, yeah. Yeah, well, especially, I mean that that and the fact that it's not it's not set in a it. I mean, are there any noir episodes of of <laughs> of uh, Magnum PI? No, right? Because it's all set in like Honolulu, right? So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not. I think just the fact that they chose that as their setting also yeah. is a reason. You know, that shows. Well, that you know people were you know people were nuts for Tom Selleck. So sure. But yeah, no, I love Columbo too. I haven't watched a good, I haven't watched a Columbo in a long time, but there was a time where I watched a fair amount of Columbo as well. Yeah. So yeah, it was one the, of those shows the that tricky, had, the tricky part is, is you got to make time for it because it's not, it's not like a 45 minute episode, like 42 minute, like commercial free thing It's like they were TV movies. Yeah. A lot of times and they so, were. Yeah. yeah. So you got to free up like 80 minutes instead of like, <laughs> just not, I'm just going to knock out like an episode here and there. Like it's just right. a little bit more of a time commitment. Yeah. But you know, it was another, I mean, on forever. He played him forever. Oh, yeah. I think they were, I mean, well into the, like the mid 80s, right? Yeah, I think so. Because I know they're the same thing, they're doing, they're the same thing with James Garner, where they were doing like into the mid 80s. He was still doing uh, Rockford Files, like move, spin, like kind of like spinoffs or extensions of stories that were, again, you know, you're an hour, like 90 minutes, right? Right. Basically, yeah. without commercials, it'd be about 90 minutes. So it looks like the last Columbo was in 2002, maybe? What? Yeah, Yeah. is that right? Ten specials. The last one aired in uh, Columbo Likes the Nightlife, which aired (laughs) January thirtieth, two thousand three. Okay, yeah, check that out. (laughs) Just one more thing. Yeah, you just found out there's more. There's more. (laughs) Who knew? That's my gift to you. Thanks. Did you guys know about the country that was in the uproar, where they didn't know that Columbo ended, and they demand? More no. episodes. No. I gotta look that up. Yeah, it was an NPR random fact in which Peter Falk actually had to come and tell the country that no more ran. Oh wow. <laughs> they, they thought their government was withholding Colombo from them yes. ready to yes. revolt. I got it. yeah. Wow. But that, that's not crazy what it's similar to that Futurama episode where um like there's a broadcast in space, so they come yeah. in. Yeah. They were just yes. that upset when they found out that it didn't end the way they wanted it to end. <laughs> Unmarried? What is it? Was it unmarried something lawyer? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like single mom lawyer or some crazy mess like that. Yeah, yeah it's supposed to be. It was supposed to be based on Ally McBeal at the time. That episode that was like basically oh, Ally, yeah. like they were basically uh, messing with Ally McBeal and saying that was the show that got broadcast out into space, and there was a whole entire race <laughs> that based their entire culture around it. And then when they found like the signal dropped, they were like, "What the hell?" <laughs> and wanted to invade Earth, right? And they had to basically act out a new episode. <laughs> wow yeah just saying we can get sidetracked <laughs> <laughs> that's right but i'm just you know there's a lot stuff. of weird sidebars in this episode today uh, uh, i did just look up the colombo revolution it was romania in 1974 <laughs> yeah romania wow yeah 
It was in the middle of the run. So apparently they just run out of episodes of that season. The show hadn't ended. Hmm. They just ran out of that season's episodes. Oh, okay. (laughs) And and Peter Falk had to uh, address the citizens of Romania. (laughs) Yeah. And send them there to calm them all down. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's going all. Yeah. That's That's hilarious. No, I didn't know that. That's funny. All right. Okay, listeners, chat us up on Twitter or in the comments. Let us know who your favorite fictional detective is. As always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on LetMeKnowHowItIs.com. Please remember to like us and follow us on social media, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening.